We're sitting on the most perfect beach in the world, and all we can think about is where. Where can I hook up my quantum? Digital pen part of work. Yeah, you apparently didn't put one of the new cover sheets on your TPS reports. Who should we send it to first? Just a couple of people. The question is, who are they going to send it to? This podcast is brought to you by Search Engine Journal, and you're listening to Marketing Nerds. everyone. This is Kelsey Jones, Managing Editor of Search Engine Journal, and I'm here with Danielle Antos, our copy editor extraordinaire over at SCJ. And I know for our first podcast, Danielle, we had talked about freelancing and how we both got into it, and I know that we had a lot of good feedback from that. So today, we kind of wanted to do a second freelancers forum, kind of covering more about clients, where to find them, how to turn them down, and then finally, when's a good time to fire clients. So first off, how are you today? Hey, I'm doing pretty good today. Good. Okay, so let's just jump right in. Based on your experience, um, where do you find new clients when you need them? Um, other than recommendations, which is always a good spot to go, Odesk is my favorite. Elance is also really popular. I generally just prefer Odesk. I like the platform better. Um, it gives you the opportunity to see if clients have worked with other people before, read the reviews. You can tell if they have their payment, like if they have a credit card on file so you can guarantee payment. And they just offer a lot of different ways to protect both freelancers and the people that they, the employers. So that's my personal favorite. Um, Craigslist isn't bad. I know you like flex jobs and that one's pretty good as well. Yeah, that's my favorite. Um, There is a Craigslist tool that I use sometimes. Um, let me pull it up here. It's called Craigster.net. And basically, yeah, I might have mentioned it either on our last podcast or just from us talking, but it's basically an aggregator for a bunch of different cities at once. So I go in there and I search for gigs and then remote work. You can check a box that says that that's okay. That's an easy way to search Craigslist. Um, I know you had mentioned that I love flex jobs. That's probably one of my favorites. Uh, virtualvocations.com is really good. Um, occasionally, the pro blogger job board has some good leads, but everybody goes there. <laughs> so Fair. it's a little bit more um, competitive, I found. And especially because I think that the employers know it's competitive, they don't really always charge, or, um, they don't allow freelancers to charge a competitive rate. So I don't know. It's kind of touch and go. And I I think going back to how you had mentioned recommendations um, and referrals, I think as you get more established in your business, definitely referrals just happen to come along. At least that's been my experience. What about you? Yeah, that one's hard to use as a strategy because it's not something you can particularly plan for. Like you can go and say, okay, I need, you know, X number of hours filled. I need 10 extra hours filled. So you can go and look for jobs that are going to meet that. But when I left full time, some of my best referrals came from people that worked above me or worked alongside of me that then moved on. But you can't plan for that. Like you definitely want to put your feelers out there and try to make sure um, that you're telling people that you're going full time freelance. But there's only so much you can do with that. Yeah, definitely. I agree. I think one thing that's helped me is I've had, um, I've kept connections with people that I used to work with. And so I think having that 
relationship and it is a genuine relationship. It's not me thinking, oh, what can I get out of them? That's kind of helped me get referrals as well. So even though I know me personally, I'm kind of introverted. It's I kind of hate networking, but it's easier for me to network and build relationships and keep relationships with people that I've worked with in the past. And that's kind of um, a good way to keep you top of mind for those people in your industry. And hopefully they'll refer you, you know, the next time they can. Yeah, one thing that I do, too, is if I haven't heard from anyone in a while, I don't think it's out loud to be just like, hey, how are you doing? Just want to touch base, see if you've got anything for me. Or, you know, maybe if it's only been a week or two and they've mentioned product, you know, jobs that they have coming up. Hey, I'm trying to put together my schedule for the next month. Do you know if you're going to have anything to fill in? And sometimes they have it. They just haven't gotten around to reaching out to you or, yeah, you're not top of mind. They just, you're not there every day in the next cube. So it's easy to get left behind. So you really do have to make sure not being annoying and, you know, messaging every other day. Hey, do you have any work? Hey, do you have any work? Don't <laughs> yeah. do that. But yeah, reaching out occasionally and being like, still over here, you know, if you need anything, that kind of a thing. Yeah, definitely. Um, I know that we've talked about before how work is kind of cyclical when it comes to freelancing. I mean, um, certain seasons are definitely way more busy than other seasons. And I've found that there's a time comes when, you know, people will approach me about work or maybe I've applied for something in the past and finally they're reaching out again and I just can't take it on. Um, what's kind of the process you use for figuring out when to turn down clients or when to say, you know what, I'm really too busy because I, I think when I first started, I was scared to do that because I thought, oh, I'm turning down work. That means that it's gone forever. Well, and it feels like you're saying no to money. Well, why would you ever yeah. do that? Um, it, well, part of the thing with being a freelancer is, okay, you've got feelers out to say three different people. One person's like, all right, well, I'll get back to you next week. Somebody's like Friday, someone else lets you know, okay, maybe next month. Well, that first person comes through and then you're full, but you're not going to not apply for any jobs. It doesn't work yeah. that way. So I've had to, I've been in the middle of talks with people about taking on something and then someone else came through before they did. And I'm like, look, I'm sorry. I, I no longer have the time to take this gig on. But the best thing I think is to be honest and be like, look, I would love to work with you. I think we started having a good conversation. However, I can't give your project the time that it deserves. And I don't want to give you a, you need to get your money worth and I can't provide that right now. And being honest, most employers really, really do appreciate that. And they really will reach back out, connect with them on LinkedIn after you've had to turn them down. If there's someone you actually want to work with, assuming that, of course, and just try to keep them in your orb so that when time does come open, you can be like, hey, I actually had that happen recently. I turned down a job and then I noticed she still had the job posted. And she had looked at my LinkedIn. I saw on LinkedIn that she had looked at my profile. So something kind of dinged in my head. And I was like, I'm going to email her. So I emailed her and was like, hey, I noticed you were still kind of looking for this. I do have hours available now. Are you still looking? And she was. And so I got the job after turning awesome. it down within like a two-month period. So pay attention. I think it matters quite a bit. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, what you had kind of touched on, just being honest and upfront, I think, clients really like that because they don't want you to take a job that you can't give a hundred percent to. Um, I know for me too, as my career's kind of progressed, it, I've been lucky to be kind of picky. So if it comes between having to choose between two different projects, if I either like the work better or I like the specific people better that I have to talk with, I might, I'm probably going to choose them over 
the other project, even if maybe it pays less, because for me, I'd rather work with someone that I enjoy working with and do more interesting work rather than valuing the money first. Absolutely. And I think that shows in your work, like sometimes I get the jobs just they're boring, they're email marketing or something that I have to research heavily. And it's mind numbing. And I'm like, sure, you know, I'll do it. I don't mind the person, you know, they need the work, you know, not going to say no, if I have the time, but at the same time, if I'm given the option of something that's, yeah, a little bit more interesting, or I just really feel like I have a good vibe with the person. I think it's okay to take the jobs that that's the whole point of doing this, right? Is to be able to take the jobs that are more interesting, as opposed to working in an office where your boss is like, hey, I need you to do this. And you're like, uh, do I have to? And as a freelancer, no, you don't, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, I know. I love it. Um, one thing I just thought of to ask you, um, kind of in the process of finding clients and figuring out which projects to take, how do you kind of do the negotiation process? I mean, do you send out customized proposals? How do you tell them your rates? How do you do that kind of process? That really depends on the job and the client. Now, if you're going through Odesk, um, they have the option of doing either a fixed rate, so flat rate being uh, you're going to do this project, it's going to be worth $200, or hourly rate. And that one's hard to do because I work fast. So, yeah, do I do hourly or do I do fixed rate? Hourly, Mm -hmm. I could screw myself because I work quickly, but a fixed rate, what if they end up needing lots and lots of edits or it ends up being a bigger job than I realize? That one, you just kind of have to play it by ear. I usually go, if I'm using Odesk, I tend to prefer starting out hourly. It just protects both of us easier. Um, With other clients, it just, it depends on the project very much so. And I try to get as much information about the job as possible. That's the first place to start. What are your expectations? Like, what are you precisely, what are your expectations? That's really important. It's kind of a hard question to answer because the specifics are so variant between different jobs. Yeah, I agree. I I would, I always try to go with a fixed fee if I can, either a monthly retainer, if it's something like social media or, you know, a monthly or not monthly, a set price for a website or something. Um, I've just found that me personally, the type of work that I do, whether it's website design or social media, or even sometimes posts, um, it pays off for me to do fixed fee because I feel like I can charge a little bit more than hourly. And like you said, if you're a fast worker, sometimes that works against you because um, you may get it done in less time than um, resulting in a less hourly rate than you would if you just had a fixed fee. Um, I have charged clients, I have negotiated in our agreement that I have a fixed fee for the initial work. And then if there's a ton, if there's more than one edit, then I have it in our agreement that I'll charge them an hourly rate. And usually that works out pretty well because they know that I'm willing to do at least one edit included, but then also that my time, you know, is valuable. Right. Well, that way you don't get caught up doing 10 different edits, which definitely is important. Yeah. I mean, having clients that request edits over and over again kind of goes into the territory of dealing with nightmare clients. And that was something that we wanted to kind of cover too today was, you know, when do you figure out when to fire a client, quote unquote? I mean, when do you tell them, okay, this isn't working out, you know, we can't work together? How have you ever gone through that process? I have. It's usually 
while I recommend being honest in other situations, this one's definitely more tax. Like, tact is required. You don't want to just be like, I really don't like you. You're kind of a pain. <laughs> That's not going to win many friends. So a lot of times it's easier to just be like, uh, you know, I'm not understanding the expectations. Definitely try to work with them first because sometimes they just need a little guidance, especially if they're not used to hiring freelancers. So, you know, saying, hey, I'm not clear on the expectations or even these aren't the expectations you gave me. Maybe I misunderstood. Do we need to do a one-on-one? -on -one? Do we need to do a Skype call, a video? You know, do we need to meet in person if it's someone local? So you definitely want to start off by trying to make it work. If not, I generally try to go with the idea that I am running out of time. Like I no longer have time. Okay, this was, usually you have that option because they say, okay, this is going to be 10 hours. And if they're annoying you, it's often because they're asking you for more work. So at that point, you can just be like, hey... I don't have the time or I don't think we're a good fit. Like, I don't think I can provide you with the services that you're asking for. So it just, just depends, but definitely be nice and be tactful and don't burn the bridge because you never know. Like they might be working under a killer boss that they're trying to meet deadlines. And so it's not you, it's literally them. <laughs> so in most cases, try not to burn bridges, be tactful, be polite. That's about what I do. How about you? Um, I don't know. I feel like for me personally, sometimes when I decide to fire a client, there's just a day when they say something or there's some expectation that's crazy. And I just think, okay, this is it. I just can't do this. Um, I know how you had mentioned, you know, it's totally different when you have a boss in an office and you have to do the work they ask. But when you're a freelancer, you get better at realizing what your true boundaries are and what right. is and isn't okay. And so for me, sometimes it'll just be like something that's been building up and I've been trying to work through it and talking with them to say, you know, is there a communication gap here? You know, right. outlining everything in email first to make sure that we have the same expectations. And then for me, it'll be, you know, one little thing they do or if they keep repeating, repeatedly doing the same thing, like changing deadlines or adding work that we didn't talk about. Um, in the past, I've, I've been like you, I haven't been brutally honest and said, okay, like you kind of suck or <laughs> you're kind of crazy. You need help. Um, I said, you know, Hey, due to my workload with my other clients, I just don't think that the projects that you need done, um, are up. I can include in my bandwidth right now. Sometimes I'll say something like that, which isn't totally false. I mean, especially no. if they have a ton of crazy high expectations that I can never meet. So I'll say something like that, or I'll say, hey, um, this year or this month or this quarter, I'm focusing on taking on projects that are more um, set retainers or more writing right. or some, you know, a different aspect that that project doesn't have. And I'll say, you know, this, I just don't think it's a good fit for us to work together again. Um, and then sometimes I'll kind of sandwich it a little bit. I'll say, you know, overall, I think we did it with great work together. We accomplished X, Y, Z. And I know that in the future, um, through our work, we've set up, you know, a good guideline or a good place to go next. So I'll kind of give them hope, you know, instead of being like, okay, well, I'm out by, you know, I'll try to outline what needs to be done next or what we've accomplished or what we are working right. towards. And hopefully that helps sever it a little bit. Um, and my experience personally, I've had clients that will not, won't talk to me again. 
um, which is fine in most cases, even though I don't burn bridges, but they just don't want to work with me or talk to me. And then I've had clients that I've fired that have still said, you know, I miss working with you. I wish we could make it work, but you know, you just have to know personally when it's a good time for you to work with them and when it's not. Yeah. I've never had anyone particularly crazy. And I've had a friend recently who had to fire someone who like screamed at her, just absolutely (laughs) disrespected her, screamed at her. And she was just like, nope, we're done. I've never had to deal with anything of that level. Usually it's just, you're not being clear. You're being snippy with me. You're being short with me. You're being rude, but it's never anything overt like that. Um, If someone yelled at me, like we're done, like there's no reason for that. But I think one that possibly one of the reasons I don't deal with quite as many crazies is that I'm careful from the beginning. So, like, how do you go about screening people, do you think? of Do you just get, like, a little twinge where you're like, yeah, I don't know if I want to do this? <laughs> um, so, usually, if they have a job ad, that gives you a good overview. If they say, um, if their expectations seem high just from the job post, sometimes that's a good sign for me to be like, uh, I shouldn't even take them on. Um, if their tone in their emails, which is sometimes hard, tone is sometimes hard to tell through email, but... email and the phone. um, If it's just, I don't know. And this is something that I think gets better with experience. You just kind of know, like you're able to screen a little bit better. Um, I I think it's just something that comes with experience. There's no set X, Y, Z, you know, look for this or prepare for this. So, you know, it's just with anything in freelancing, I think you just get better the longer you do it. Yeah, I think... If they said they've had trouble finding someone to fit that position, that's usually a red flag because it it makes you feel special, right? You're like, no, 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 I'm going to be different. You know, it's like when dating in college. Um, It's totally not going to do that to me, right? But that's usually a red flag. I mean, granted, there are people out there as freelancers who just aren't very good or who take on work that they shouldn't or whatever. But if they have, say outright, that they're having trouble filling the position, there's usually a pretty solid reason for it. Yeah, definitely. It's like when everybody's telling you um, someone's bad, then they usually are. Yeah, (laughs) that one's definitely been a major red flag for me. And again, yeah, I agree with the tone. Um, Do they sound, I mean, there's a difference between like wanting really good quality. Like we want someone that, you know, has so many years of experiences, professional stuff like that's cool. But when you can tell from the job post that they're expecting a lot, like micromanaging, like if you don't have this, then don't even apply. Granted, if you don't have copywriting experience, don't apply. Well, that makes sense. So it's very nuanced, but I think you know what I mean, because I've probably seen those as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, Okay, so I think you know, we could talk about this forever. And I think, you know, we definitely have a lot more fodder for more freelancer forum podcasts in the future. But we're gonna have to wrap it up today. So Danielle, it was great talking with you. And again, this is Kelsey Jones, and Danielle and toes from Search Engine Journal. And this concludes our Marketing Nerds podcast. This Marketing Nerds podcast has been brought to you by Search Engine Journal. For more news, interviews, and how-to guides from marketing experts from around the world, visit us at searchenginejournal.com.